How was your birthday? Honestly, probably my most low-key birthday I've ever had. <laughs> the perks of getting older. Like, my mom didn't even have, like, the cake she makes me every year. I was like, okay. Oh, all right. It's, like, almost forcing you to feel yeah. old. Yeah. And no presents, but that's pretty normal. <laughs> yeah. I asked for some new blinds, so I never sent him the measurements, so that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. What's up, guys? Welcome to Season 4, Episode 25 of Drinking Inside the Box. My name is Kelly, and with me is Gordon. What's up, guys? I hope you got some uh, enjoyment from... This week's games, we had a bunch of derby matches that um, did not disappoint. And um, also, for everyone that's not a Liverpool fan, they got to watch Liverpool just capitulate against Brighton. So I hope everyone enjoyed their weekend. (laughs) Yeah, I hope you all did enjoy your weekend because some of us did not. (laughs) Great games, though. You can't even, I don't know, we'll get into it. but Yeah, of course. You just really can't be mad. No. You want to be, but you can't be. You can't. Brighton, we're, we're too good. But, yeah, we'll get into it. Um, I've also decided that I I no longer can be a part of this podcast. Everything I say in this podcast, it truly goes the opposite way. Like, <laughs> firsthand, like, I mean, Southampton, I literally was like, they're trash. They're trash. They're not going to win. What was the outcome of this week's game? We'll get to it. But yeah. the first-hand example in our group chat, which if you listen to this podcast, you know I don't participate in the group chats. Right. Well, I decided to participate <laughs> this weekend. I made the comment. I said, Hugo Loris is a god between the posts. And then he scores a fucking goal like for literally our team. Like two minutes later. Like, Oh, my God. I don't know. So I'm just going to have to start saying, like, ridiculous things. Like, <laughs> Liverpool does suck. Maybe they'll win now next weekend. I don't know. Well, it has been. Every time that you predicted the Liverpool loss, they've won. So. Well, then here we – yeah. Then that's the bandwagon we're going on because <laughs> – Let's do it. <laughs> this podcast really makes me feel like I don't know anything about this damn game. <laughs> It keeps it interesting. To the happenings. Take it off. Take it away. All right. So I talked a little bit about the NFL recently. Not for a good thing, but here's a good thing. Uh, if you're looking for a reason to get into the playoffs uh, and, and be at least invested in a player, um, Patrick Mahomes becomes the first player, the first active NFL player to have equity in a NWSL team, and for those of you that don't know that acronym, that is the Women's uh, Soccer League in the U.S., and he is becoming a co-owner with Angie and Chris Long and then his wife, Brittany, um, which is really cool. They are uh, taking some stake in the Kansas City Current. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty cool. I love, I love seeing that. Um, I would like to hear what people say, because I know that Patrick Mahone's wife gets a lot of flack on social media. A lot of it, yeah. So I'm, like, curious. Um, obviously married. Their money's the same money, like, essentially. 
I guess every every marriage is different. So I'm I'm wondering if this was something she truly wanted to be a part of or if it was something like, hey, we're going to make you a part of this because your name needs some good publicity. publicity. Yeah, especially in Kansas City. And like, yeah, I mean, this guy, this guy, I, I've never seen. And I think it's because like the reason that there's not many active players, like not even just the NFL, but like other sports that don't get involved with this is because you can always get traded. But like Patrick Mahomes, like. His, he's like really woven himself into Kansas yeah, City. Yeah, he's Kansas. He loves, and I, I'm not quoting him directly. And this is just from what you know. I hear articles, I read. Um, you know, he loves Kansas City, and Kansas City seems to love him and his wife. I mean, I think as of right now, he's already birthed one child in Kansas City and is about to have another. Um, so c- clearly, this is somewhere where they like to build a home. So no, I think it's great, and it almost kind of like. Not, he's going to be leaving – if he ever leaves Kansas City, he's going to be leaving a legacy as a quarterback for the Chiefs. But I, this is just, like, another way for him to do so if he ever does leave. And I think it's awesome. Yeah, and he's already an investor in the Kansas City Royals and Sporting KC, which is the men's MLS team. So, And then he plays for the Chiefs, so that's all four of Kansas City's professional teams that he has some sort of stake in, which is incredible. He just pretty much owns Kansas City. He's going to. I mean, good for at, him, though. At this point. But he's going to make he, – apparently he's invested – part of the um, takeover includes investing in a uh, privately funded 11,500-seat stadium, ultra-modern stadium, it says. So we'll have to see. That's going to be incredible for the women's game. Oh, inc- extremely incredible. So I couldn't even get that out. <laughs> no worries. Extremely. Uh, no, I think it's cool. Um, it's it's like we like we like to call that investing your money wisely. Hopefully, yeah. And I one, mean, one day if ahead. I ever have a lot of money, I would like to invest my money in something. Oh, for sure. It'd be cool with sports because it's so unpredictable. It's, it is a gamble. I think I'm gonna go with something more simple and do land. But one day <laughs> I'll get. One day I'll hopefully get to the sports. Yeah, well, sports is like fuck you, money. Like, you don't get involved in sports to make money. It's no. it's a passion thing because there's not you lose so much. And Why you have collect, to invest yeah. so much. Why collect the sports cards when you can just collect the teams in real? <laughs> That's what he's doing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, from from one side of the positivity spectrum to the absolute other scunthorpe united uh you may remember we have talked about them before um they are currently hanging on to uh well i guess existence now but they are sitting dead last in the national league which is the fifth tier and you drop below the fifth tier you usually don't ever make it back into the big times of of the championship league one the epl is even that, is that how you go into like the um the non non-league games what is that facebook group i just joined last week oh like yes those, not those? so so technically um i think it's seventh year seventh year is non-league so you would consider you would consider the fifth tier fifth sixth and seventh is semi-pro almost okay um so like they're they're right there. So the league below the National League, which is where Rex and play, um, is there's two different leagues. It's 
um, the north and the south. And it's just because those teams don't even have enough money to travel to the other side of the country. So they split okay. up. It's actually two two leagues. And then the winners of those two leagues are who gets promoted into the fifth division, which is the National League, which is where Wrexham and Scunthorpe are. But right now, Scunthorpe is sitting dead last in that league. So Okay. Uh, unfortunately, they've just served a winding up petition, which I had to look up what that is. And it's basically like they're close to um, they're close to arbitration. So they've been trying to sell the club um, and it seemed close to go through last month, but it still hasn't gone gone through. So the um, the HMI, uh, the revenue and customs for England is basically saying like, all right, you applied for this, and now we're not seeing any results. And winding up, I guess, just means like you're kind of you, you've made us do a lot of work, and nothing's coming of it. So hurry up if you're going to sell the club. This it's getting ridiculous. Basically, is what it is, and it's kind of embarrassing a little bit. Um, so much so that the fans um, they haven't heard anything about it in a couple of months. It's been a month and a half. At the game this weekend, they protested by walking on the field um, yeah. and hoping to hear something from the club. The club responded after the game, but only to reprimand fans that, that walked on the field. They didn't say anything about the sale of the club. So fans are still in the dark about that. Right. Which is, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating for the fans. Oh, for sure. Especially... You know, like they're about to be relegated from the fifth tier when they've been up in the championship before. So, um, you know, they're hopeful that they get sold and now they're not hearing anything and it's getting nerve wracking because the longer you go in the season, the less likely it is that they're going to get out of that relegation zone. Right. For sure. Absolutely. <clears throat> oh, tough week for them. <laughs> Speaking of tough weeks, what a transition. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. We don't heard... we don't plan this, guys. We're just that no. good. No, but <laughs> I don't know if you were able to hear any of this. Um, uh, but after the FA Cup replay of Liverpool at Wolves, um, the BBC One studio, obviously after every game, you know, you get a, a panel of guys that sit and and break it down. Um, yeah. And this one included Gary Lineker and Paul Ince and Danny Murphy. And while they were talking. The very famous, I, I'm sure you've gotten one in the past where it's like a very quiet video. So you like turn it up and then the video cuts short and then it's just like a woman moaning. <laughs> and supposedly. No, I've never really gotten one of those at videos. It must have, it must be a, a boy thing. <laughs> well, it's, it's meant to get you to turn the volume up and then the, it cuts to the woman moaning at a very, very like ear-piercing volume, and it's so yeah. loud, and so it's like it's kind of embarrassing because it's supposed to be meant to be like you're watching porn in a public place, and somebody was calling Gary Lineker's phone while he was on air, and that was going off in the background, and oh, God. he kept he kept going. He even made a little joke about it. He said it's kind of hot in here, <laughs> <laughs> and that's Turns professionalism. Out, Turns out that afterwards, they found a very old phone taped to the back or like underneath his seat, and it was just going off while he was talking. So uh, that's I think, terrible. I think it's hilarious, but it's it was on BBC One, so like you know the the head broadcast. And to me, it's 
just who I know that they, they were like joking about it, but somebody lost their job for sure. That is <laughs> it definitely crosses a lot of lines. It's funny, but it crosses a bunch of lines. I'm gonna be honest, I think it's hilarious as well. Yeah, it's childish. And it seemed like the guys thought it was funny too, because even they cut to some I forget who they who they cut to in the field and he was like almost in tears. He couldn't even like answer Gary Lineker because it was so loud. <laughs> props I mean, to him for keeping oops, props to him for continuing with the broadcast. Yeah, keeping it going. Like, that could have gotten really bad, but he yeah. just like he didn't let it get that way. <laughs> oh, so man. kudos to him for not letting it get any worse. <laughs> Well, another transition because neither did this guy. Uh, just, but if you, it, it does, yeah. <laughs> um, if you watch the Arsenal Tottenham Derby, the North London Derby, um, you would have watched a man from the crowd kicking Aaron Ramsdale near the end of the game, which um, sparked some heated battles on the field. Everyone getting in each other's faces and pushing matches. Referee had to get involved to push people away. Um, but they have found who did it. It's 34-year-old or 35-year-old man, um, which is really sad because he was wearing skinny jeans. Um, 35-year-old man assaulted uh, Aaron Ramsdale during the match. Um, Met Police released a statement saying Joseph Watts, 35, of Hackney, was charged Tuesday with assault by beating, going onto an adjacent playing area and throwing a missile into a football playing area by contrary of the Football Act of 1991. So... Um, Tottenham Hotspurs then released a statement saying we were appalled by the behavior of the supporter that attempted to attack our I love how they say attempted, he actually did kick him Right, yeah, I was going to say, like, didn't did he actually kick him? Right attempted to attack our Arsenal goalkeeper Aaron Ramsdale at the end of today's match violence of any form has no place in football the club will be working with Met Police, Arsenal and Aaron Ramsdale to take the strongest possible action including an immediate ban from Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and then the Premier League re- released a statement basically saying that he, there's no place for him in any of the, the matches held by the Premier League, so it's good. And he'll probably, it sounds like he's going to probably face some jail time, too. There's no place. Well, I mean, I'm not shocked by that. Um, but it, it kind of makes me laugh. Cause like, the guy did what so, like, what so many people think they want to do, like, to players and stuff, you know? Yeah, for sure. So it's like kind of funny that that. Well, if you there, so it was definitely on national TV that you could see him, but it wasn't very clear because obviously they don't like showing that and they cut it, cut away right. from it sort of. Um, and there was so much going on in the field that you know there was more interesting to see what the Arsenal Tottenham players were doing to each other. But <laughs> a fan released us a, a he was like three rows up and he released a video of it and the the guy immediately you could tell. Like knew he had done something terrible. He like pulls up his scarf over his face and then starts running away. <laughs> That's hilarious, to be honest. But they got him. It only took what two days. Yeah, I mean, I'm shocked it even took that long. That's true. That's true. Maybe they wanted to be like certain it was him before they released a statement. Yeah, true. That's true. I'm sure they did. I'm sure there there's a ton of protocol that had to go into it. Right. In that regard, but nonetheless, I mean, bad. Don't ever do that. But it's you know, it's kind of funny in a way. 
It's definitely a little funny. It's not great, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. All right. Let's keep it going. That's it. That's all of our happenings. We had to end on <laughs> poor Ramsdale getting assaulted. Yeah, right, right. Uh, just, but listen, just like imagine, like I probably could be essentially, I don't say arrested, but I feel like a restraining order. If I lived in England, could be put on me for the, the threats that I throw at Pickford every week. That's true. I mean, they don't really have freedom of speech, so. Yeah. So like, <laughs> it's possible. Well, let's just know. say, let's just say you, you say the same or you said the same things last week on our podcast that you normally do about Pickford, about Aaron Ramsdale, and then yeah. that happened, then you might be charged with that, inciting violence. I was thinking about that after we like made a whole like joke about <laughs> Frank Lampard getting killed, and I was like, fuck, like if that actually did happen. That's why like, I said in the podcast, I said we are not condoning anything. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. Like, I literally hate Pickford so much to the point where I've had, like, dreams about I seeing know. him in person and telling him how much I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how you know you have a problem. A, l- a little obsessive. <laughs> yeah, like, a little. And, like, that would probably be, like, I'm going to go back to England one day, and that's going to be, like, the first person I fucking just run into. And I'm be like, oh, yikes. Yeah, you'll be you'll be somewhere in Liverpool one, like, sitting down to eat, yeah. and you'll see him. And he'll be like, hey, I know you. <laughs> I have a dartboard with your face on it. I watch your TikTok videos. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to talk shit about him. Um, but we are going to pass the mic over to... Uh, Graham for his history behind the fixture or story behind the fixture, depending on how Gordon feels every week, it changes. Sometimes, <laughs> usually he puts history, and then sometimes if I see it quick enough, I'll change it to story. Change it to story. Yeah, sorry. It's the story of the history of the fixture. Um, this week, Graham's going to um, fill our ear holes, as Gordon likes to say, uh, make, let our minds grow bigger with um, the history behind Liverpool versus Chelsea which we will be able to see this upcoming weekend in Match Week 21. Without further ado, Graham. The story behind the fixture, Liverpool versus Chelsea. Prior to the 0203 season, the Chelsea-Liverpool fixture was just another game on football's calendar. The teams were separated by a cultural divide that was ever so wide. Liverpool FC was the most successful team in England at the time, while Chelsea was just another mid-table side at best. Chelsea is a fashionable neighbourhood in West London, a district where you are likely to bump into minor royalty and other A-listers while on your way to Sainsbury's grocery store. A land of mods who zipped about on Italian Vespa motor scooters, whereas 200 miles away to the north was Lancashire and Liverpool and Anfield a rough and impoverished working-class neighbourhood in a rough and impoverished city. Boarded-up storefronts and broken sidewalks were a feature of Liverpool through the 80s and 90s, a place where you were more likely not to bump into royalty, but rather the local corrections officer from nearby Walton Prison when on your way to Aldi. Alanda Shavs, wearing knock-off white Adidas trainers and polyester Kappa tracksuits. Yeah, the fans had nothing in common, and it really wasn't worth getting riled up about those from the other side of a very divided country. 
Sure, Chelsea did have a hooligan element. The Shed Boys were a particularly barbaric group, but it was only because it was the cool thing to do of that time period. Regardless what the Chelsea Boot Boys thought they were rebelling against, the fact remained that life in West London was still so much better than life in Liverpool. There was really no comparison, and hence, no real rivalry. But all that was to change on the final day of the 02-03 season. Both Liverpool and Chelsea found themselves level on points and were playing each other at Chelsea's Stamford Bridge to determine who would take the third and final Champions League spot. Liverpool had taken an early lead through a fine Sami Hapir goal. But Desali tied it up before Goncha scored the winner for Chelsea. A thousand miles away, a successful Russian businessman was so impressed that he decided to shell out £140 million to purchase the Blues, a team that just 20 years earlier had been sold for one single pound. A whole new rivalry between Liverpool, the traditionalist, and Chelsea, the nouveau riche, had been born. Abramovich spent the unprecedented sum of £103 that summer on building a team of superstars, and the landscape of English soccer was forever changed. It became a money game, a business venture, which was totally at odds to what it had always been up to that time. Football was a bastion of the community, a reflection of the people who lived and worked in the neighbourhood, an icon of the local culture, and here was some foreigner out to buy titles for himself. Everything Abramovich and Chelsea stood for flew in the face of the core values of Liverpool, which had been moulded by the great socialist Bill Shankly. This was no longer just a football game between two sides that couldn't be further apart culturally if, even if they tried. It had now become a battle between disparate ideologies, socialism versus capitalism, red versus blue, Derek Hatton versus Margaret Thatcher, 0405 was the first season of the Benitez versus Mourinho era. Chelsea won both league meetings that season, but it was at the League Cup final in Cardiff, Wales, when the simmering hatred erupted. Liverpool were winning, but then Gerrard headed into his own goal, and the game went into extra time, which Chelsea went on to win. But it was not the defeat that riled the Scousers up so much, but rather Chelsea's coach, Mourinho put a finger to lip to shush the Red Army. That simple action was beyond the pale. The Liverpool fans were more than angry, especially at the disrespect shown to one of the most successful teams in Europe at the time. The Chelsea fans were smug and enjoying their success so far this season. And then came the semi-final to the Champions League. Only one goal separated the two sides over the two legs, and it was the Luis Garcia's ghost goal. Mourinho was furious. He said the goal had come from the moon, or maybe out of the Anfield Road stands. He complained that you could say the linesman had scored. Whatever happened, Chelsea's smugness was replaced by an anger to match the anger the Liverpool fans had experienced a few months earlier in Cardiff. Battle lines had been drawn. Liverpool and Chelsea were now arch-rivals. Game on. Abramovich tried hard to poach Liverpool's captain from them, with promises of undreamed of wealth, but Gerard lifted football's ultimate prize above his head in Istanbul just a couple of weeks later.
The damage had been done, though, and Gerard submitted a transfer request during the summer. The smell of new money seemed to have polluted even the hallowed halls of Anfield. But in the end, Liverpool held firm and Gerard remained, which further hurt the Chelsea faithful. Gerard went on to play against Chelsea 40 times during his career. The two sides would go on to meet 10 times in the following two seasons, a testament to just how they had become English superpowers. The 2006 FA Cup semi-final was won by Liverpool, and Mourinho felt cheated, claiming that the better side had lost that day, and he refused to shake hands with Benitez after the final whistle. In 2007, they once again met in the Champions League semi-final, which Liverpool won again, thanks to a dramatic penalty shootout. Just one year later, they again met in the Champions League semi-final. In the first leg at Anfield, Liverpool were cruising to victory when John Arne Rizé scored an own goal deep into injury time. Benitez labelled Chelsea striker Didier Drogba as a diver before the second leg, but in the end Drogba had the last laugh, scoring twice in a 3-2 Chelsea victory. Yet again they met in the Champions League the very next season, in a thriller quarter-final that Chelsea hung on to win after a 4-4 classic at Stamford Bridge. In the Premiership that season, Liverpool was the team that ended Chelsea's 86-game unbeaten home run at Stamford Bridge. Almost seven years after Chelsea failed to tempt Gerrard, they were successful in capturing Liverpool favourite Fernando Torres, who ended up a huge flop as his new team. But the trade antagonised the Liverpool fans further. Years later, Benitez became an interim coach for Chelsea, which was hugely unpopular to the Chelsea fans. With just three games left in the 13-14 season, Liverpool looked certain to claim their first English Premiership title, an elusive trophy for the Reds. It was April 27th and Liverpool were hosting Chelsea at Anfield. The Reds had looked in control and though nervous, the cup were behind their side. And then in the final seconds of the first period, Gerrard slipped, trying to control a pass from teammate Sarko, only to watch hopelessly as Demba Bar stole the ball and crushed Liverpool hearts. Last season, the teams met four times, including two finals at Wembley, as Liverpool chased an unprecedented quad. Liverpool went on to win both of those finals, but only on penalties. In all four meetings, the teams were tied after 90 minutes and were still level after the extra time in the two finals. There was literally nothing between the two clubs. Over the last 20 years, there's been really very little separating these two giants of English football. And even this season, when both teams find themselves in very unusual circumstances, as they both struggle to find any form and are currently tied on points in mid-table, Liverpool may have a slight edge being the home side and they do have a game in hand as they both desperately try to kickstart their season if only to claw their way into a top four place for Champions League football next season. Chelsea did secure a win last time out but Liverpool Football Club last weekend was a real disaster. Not only was the first team totally outplayed by a far superior mid-table Brighton but the women's team suffered a 6-0 mauling at Man United. The U21s also lost to Manchester United, while the U18s gave up a lead late 
to tie with Everton. In fact, it gets even more depressing with Connor Bradley currently on loan to Bolton Wanderers being the only one out of 16 Liverpool players out on loan who was on a winning side last weekend. Heck, all around it was thoroughly miserable day on Merseyside with defeats to Tramier, Southport, Marine and even Everton. You had to go all the way down to the Northern Premier Division 1 West, Tier 8 in the Men's League, before you find a single winner for a Merseyside team. Prescott Cables, although the other three Merseyside teams in that league all lost. I think that you would be hard-pressed to ever find a weekend quite as bad as the last one for the entire county of Merseyside. Chelsea seem to be having a tough time getting to grips with a new coach, who may be in the midst of a locker room battle trying to win over some big egos. Time will tell, but he may not be given the time needed, and may well be in over his head. While at Liverpool, they are finding it impossible to reach any kind of consistency, mainly due to a midfield that is virtually non-existent. Despite their experience, they are not pressing with any authority, but rather chasing the ball and allowing teams to just pass right through them. Quad burnout? Maybe. Who knows? But they do need to find a solution and they need to find it soon. This edition, the 193rd meeting, is possibly as important as any that have gone before, and the loser can probably kiss the season goodbye. Thank you, Graham. Another wonderful piece. Um, hopefully, yeah, I'm looking, uh, look, looking forward to El Shitico, which everyone's calling yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> which which I don't I I actually may have started that I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I can by, see the, by the way, these two teams are playing. Um, that's a perfect way to that's a perfect um <laughs> way to say it. Oh, I feel like my dog has a bump on her happy. Great. I can't continue <laughs> on. Anyways, irrelevant. Maddie's uh, got one of those. I feel like she has some kind of, in like a lot of places, but which kind of sounds bad to say aloud. But she's yeah, she's, I know, I know. She's an old geezer. Same. Um, <laughs> yeah, same. I do too. Um, all right, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, match week twenty is what we're dealing with right now. Has Gordon sent some interesting outcomes? Some interesting just games altogether. Um, a lot of. Derby, derby games, um, things like that. But let's let's jump right on into it with our best games of match week 20. I'm going to start off here, which by saying this, you're probably going to be like, why? Because it wasn't that really all that of exciting a game. But I'm going to say the Brentford-Bournemouth game. Brentford beats Bournemouth 2-0. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much just like um, I heard someone use the term, it's a clinical win for them. And I, I honestly think I pinpoint this game because I loved the way it was described. It was a clinical win for, uh, for Brentford. We've, we've labeled teams like they are the teams that you go in, you play them, you win, you get your three points, and you leave. I feel like Bournemouth has, has been labeled that more, more than recently. Brentford did that. They mm-hmm. went in. They got their two points. Um, Johnson scores two goals. I'm sorry. That was in a whole other game. Um, which is Donningham Forest's game, uh, but Brentford. <laughs> <It's in> color. <laughs> Brentford has uh, won their last four. Bournemouth has lost their last four games. So good three points for Brentford right there, who's been playing pretty well. 
Yeah, um, definitely top half of the table. Yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you say one. Oh, it pains me to say it, but United are on a tear of late. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, this is this is your moment, and I'm not going to take it away. No, no, no. You're fine. It was. It's just. It's exciting. But yeah, uh, Manchester United. Um, Man City was actually a really like that was the old Manchester Derby. Like we in recent years, we've seen just Man City kind of dominate that one. It hasn't been as exciting. It kind of started reminding me of Liverpool Everton, where not much to watch. One team's definitely going to get points. Um, but this was like back to the old. It wasn't easy for United, but they ended up winning two late goals. Um, yeah, Jack Grealish scores. It was it was just I don't know. I had I had fun watching it. And Manchester United at home right now are unbeatable, which is a scary prospect for a couple of teams that still need to play them. Yeah, I agree. So my question, I'll just I'm gonna ask you now then. M- Manchester City. I feel like have not been playing up to par recently. I mean, yet like yes and no, but in the past like month, let's say they haven't been their city self. Do you think United, who has been kind of playing really well recently, do you think United would have still gotten a win if City was up to their normal par? No, no. Part of like I, I said it in the a group chat too is like City look just as tired as Liverpool. Like th- those two teams have been going tooth and nail in every competition, almost to the end of every competition for the last five years. Yeah. And now there's also been a mid-year World Cup, and City look just as tired as Liverpool. The difference is Liverpool have injuries, and they don't have as deep of a bench as City. So City's been able to, like, paper over some of the cracks by having a deeper bench and also maintaining, like, a healthy roster. But... If City didn't have a deep bench and they had injuries, I think that we would be looking at both Liverpool and Cities as having a terrible year. Um, it's just the difference of, of spending, basically. But this this City team, I don't think can catch. It it is City, so I I hesitate to say this, but I don't think they have they're going to have the strength of the legs to catch Arsenal. The only thing that City can hope is that Arsenal's youth and the amount of games left. Arsenal beats themselves because I don't think City had the legs to chase Arsenal if they continue to play the way they're playing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I I agree with you too. I don't I don't think they do. And I love that point you made about Liverpool and City. The past five years, it's been literally a go go go. Um, and I'm I'm shocked that it's taken this long for them to almost start feeling the pain from that. Yeah, it, it's so it's so impressive when when you actually think about it, um, the level that Pep has been able to maintain at at City. I know he's, you know, he's got the money, the backing of the transfer market. They get the big, they splash the cash, um, but still, to continuously achieve greatness is not easy, even if you have the money. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not always about the money. like, And people really think that a lot. Like, oh, like you said, Pep's got money behind him. That's what makes him – that's why he's got such a good team. No, that's that's not really true at all. Like, you can, you can be a really great team without that money as well. So much more goes into being a great manager besides money. Does it help? Of course. You know that saying, like, 
oh, like money doesn't buy you happiness. Well, you know what? It fucking does buy you happiness because I would be a lot happier if I had more money. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> and it's the same thing. Of course, money's going to help in some kind of way. It's going to, you know, it's not only going to buy you the flashiest stuff, but it's going to, you know, provide you with the best facilities, equipment, things which are flashy things that bring a lot of people to your facility. But getting mm-hmm. them to the facility is one thing, which takes money. Keeping them there and making them perform on the field takes skill and knowledge, which is what he does. Definitely. I still, um, like, sometimes, like, people say, you know, like, he's always been blessed with a big squad. And because of that, I actually think that he's probably not one of the best managers ever. Like, in terms of trophy halls and who he managed, sure, he's definitely in the conversation. But, like, could he make, like, Brighton better? Could he make Brentford better? You know, could he make them challengers? I, I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see Pep with a, with a mediocre squad yeah, and see, what, see almost, what he could do. I almost feel like yes, because I feel like we've seen so many of those teams get so many different managers, and they don't get better. But these managers haven't had the chance to have teams like Liverpool, like City. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Because if we're feeling that like Pep couldn't like potentially make like a Brentford better, then I truly don't think a club could either. That's true. That's true. And like vice versa. Like we loved and and most people loved what Graham Potter was doing at at, at Brighton. And now with Chelsea, with I mean, it's not the best Chelsea team, but Chelsea on paper are better than Brighton, and he is struggling massively. So I don't know. Maybe there's something to that. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think, like, those, I don't know, like, I think those two managers um, are exactly where they need to be, and I think that they're exactly in the teams that they need to be at. And, yes, like, Pep, sure, he was pretty much gifted, a really, like, gifted team, um, but also he's, like, consistently kept that team in the same level. So, like, that right there takes skill. Yeah, like dealing with all those egos too. That's right. Yeah, that has to take a good man manager. Gosh, who knew I would spend half this podcast defending Pep Guardiola, and we're not <laughs> for no reason. Um, another one for me, which is another like crazy game because um, is the Nottingham Forest versus Leicester City game. I love that Nottingham Forest beat Leicester City two zero. I love that they did this and they touched the ball like four times in the first half. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think it's great. It wasn't the, really the best, most entertaining game. Absolutely not. But right. you know what? They didn't even have to touch the ball, and they still beat Leicester City. So, like, talk to me about that, because riddle me that. Don't you have to have possession to score? <laughs> well, they, had, they did it. That's the thing we've been talking about. I mean, <clears throat> in January, you know, we – or sorry, in November, we were talking about, you know, what – what what can teams do that don't have a lot of players going to the World Cup? Like, can they make a bigger splash? And I think both of us agreed that, like, some of the teams that are struggling might actually, it might level the playing field a little bit. So these, since the World Cup, they've been beaten away from, they've been beaten by Man City at Old Trafford. So we know that's a give me. You're not going to beat sure. Man United right now. They're in good form. So they lost there. But they beat Blackburn. 4-1 in the fourth round. They beat Southampton, who was close to them. They beat Leicester, who were close to them. Uh, they lost to Blackpool, but they tied Wolves. 
and they tied Chelsea. So, like, those are great results. They've gotten, in January alone, in the Premier League, they have collected seven of an available nine points. And right. now they are, what are they, seventh? Or, sorry, not seventh. Uh, they're 13th. So they went from relegation zone during the World Cup to 13th right now. Jeez. Well, that's crazy, right? Well, they're, they're, they had a, a, a favorable January where they're playing teams that are in and around them, and they're collecting points, and that's all that matters. Okay. I mean, yeah, which which is understandable. I mean, but they're doing it. They're doing it for sure. They're doing it. Um, and I just feel like this is my last one, and then you can have the floor again. I just feel like after all the really rude things I said, I have to just say that the Southampton Everton game was good. <laughs> you know what? Can I'll be honest, and this is kind of jumping ahead here. I don't. I think there may have been one bad game. Maybe two. Maybe two bad games. Everyone else was exciting. We could we could literally talk about yeah. the best games. Like, Astonville leads. I mean, that was exciting. What a game. Well, Brighton literally dismantled Liverpool. They looked so good. The Southampton-Everton game, like you said, was like good. Liverpool literally looked like they have never played together during that game. Yes. South, or Brighton came out, and they... They were fast, they were quick, and they confused the hell out of Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And, like, my jaw was on the floor that whole game because I was like, shoot, there, there's no chance here. Like, just seeing them play, like, there's absolutely zero chance. Yeah, within the first couple of minutes, you're like, unless Liverpool can turn this around somehow. Right, this, right. This, is, this might be a long day. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean... The Chelsea Crystal Palace game did nothing for me. Yeah, that was one of my bad games, and the yeah. other bad, the other bad game I had was Wolves West Ham. Wolves West Ham, I literally <laughs> had two. If you scroll down on the screen, you can you can see it. Uh, Chelsea, yeah, Chelsea Crystal Palace, Wolves West Ham, both one zero games. Chelsea beating Crystal Palace, Wolves beating West Ham, which is great for Wolves. That's two, that's two wins for them. Um, but still nothing. Um, we go through these like. I feel like phases with West Ham where they're just like, they're so good. And it's like, oh yeah, West Ham, they're so good. They're crazy. And then it's like, oh, they're so bad. Like they can't even produce anything. Uh, Wolves, I feel like we have just, the bar has been very lowered for them after like this season alone, last season, even the season before. Um, Chelsea right now, it's like, I don't know, like, is everyone still exhausted from the World Cup? Are you guys just kind of like content with what's going on? You're, right, you're providing right. nothing. Um, in Crystal Palace, I feel like is, I don't know, on this little on this little roller coaster, but I kind of feel like this is consistent for them. I feel like every year oh, yeah. around this time, we talk about Crystal Palace um, in the sense of, you know, our conversation is, oh, is Zaha going to stay? Why are they still mm-hmm. keeping him? What are the benefits of him? What are the benefits of all these players? Do they need to do a whole workaround? Like, I just feel like this is so normal right now for Crystal Palace. Yeah, and they um, they had played they played today. I know we'll talk about that next week, but they they were really good today. And so it is like Crystal Palace is always going to be a 500 team. 
they're going to win some amazing games. They're also going to lose some very easy, right. very winnable games. And I think as long as they can continue that and as long as they can keep winning the occasional game, they'll be they'll continuously be in that 7 mm-hmm. to 13 range. And that, like, really makes sense to, like, why I say our conversations repeat. Like, I feel like we're just always going to see them in the prem. They're yep. always going to play the exact same. And, and whatever. I mean, if that's what they're content with, then be content with that. Um, but if you are looking to be a Crystal Palace fan, know what you're getting into. <laughs> I mean, we can quickly. I mean, they played today. It was a 1-1 game against United, which I know it wasn't a full-on win with Crystal Palace. But for the United team that's been like been out on the pitch recently, this is a really great game for Crystal Palace. Yes, and the way, th- the manner in which they won, um, it was a 91st minute uh, bomb of a free kick. I mean, yeah. I don't even think uh, uh, our guy JWP could have hit a, a better shot. I don't know. After this weekend, he was he was hitting bombs. Yes, he was. He's he's now three away from Beckham's all-time free kick record. Oh gosh. So it's just like a mate. I mean, we could see it this year. That'd be epic. That would be, I would want, I want that for him. I mean, he's not going to get anything else from Southampton. Might as well get something. Right. Yep. Um, any other games that you feel the need to kind of briefly discuss before we move on? I mean, consider we touched on, I think every game except for this one, the Newcastle Fulham game, not a whole lot there. But Fulham had zero shots on target, and they could have won. Well, you never know, but they could have won the game because Mitrovic had a penalty, which he scored, but he slipped, and it actually hit his standing foot. And so it was a disallowed penalty. And then uh, Isik, the um, the world or the, their record signing this year, um, scored in the 89th minute for, for Newcastle to, to keep them afloat. But I'm sure that was heart and mouth for a lot of Arsenal fans and, and right. even City fans that are watching Newcastle's results. But just kind of a crazy couple of games or a couple of instances in that game. Yeah, so, kind of a kind of a complete bummer for Fulham. Um, but Newcastle's also been, like, weirdly doing okay. So I know this was, like, a game. I believe, didn't we say, like, last week, like, oh, this is the game of the weekend? Yeah, um, it was. I was. It could have been a big banana peel because Fulham had looked so good. Yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting uh, Newcastle to win. To be honest, I really thought Fulham would pull it off, but a uh, bummer of a game. But I guess like when Mitrovic the past three weeks are the only one producing. I mean, it it kind of would slow down. It makes sense. Um, I mean, we touched a little bit on the Tottenham Arsenal game. Arsenal putting just Tottenham to shame, putting myself to shame, really. <laughs> well, those those two games as well, the Tottenham Arsenal and Fulham Newcastle, those two results put the top four at a reasonable distance. Um, Arsenal obviously being first, Newcastle being fourth, Tottenham fifth, Fulham sixth. So those were actually two like really important games for the rest of the pack. Um, and because Tottenham lost and Fulham lost, the gap between fifth place Tottenham and fourth place Newcastle is now five sure. points. So the top four are starting to pull away from the rest of the group. So those were big games in the overall standings for for halfway point of the season. Right, exactly. Um, 
yeah, great way to end the weekend. Let's let's keep it going here. Uh, best best goals right now. I'll let you start with your best goals. I want to see what you what you have down. Okay. I feel like I, we might be consistent. Uh, I'm gonna start with the most impressive um, in open play. Odegaard's second the second goal for um, Arsenal. Odegaard Just, has been magnificent to watch. Yeah. He's been really, he's been really good. I think he, it's, yeah. oh, go ahead, sorry. No, no, no. He's just been, no, no, you go ahead. This I asked you to go first. I do this to you every time. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. You it's go ahead. Conversation. Uh, he's um, it really come, I think he's matured. You know, I think we've talked about this before, so I won't go into too much detail, but I think, you know, that the Real Madrid chance was probably came too early for him. He was too young. Um, he, he came into Arsenal last year. Everyone was really excited about him. He didn't do too much, and now I think he's really adapted to Arteta and and the Premier League. And he's looking like the guy I think everyone thought he was going to be at Real Madrid. And it's he's an exciting player to watch. No, I, I agree. I I'm, I enjoy watching him play. Um, he scored some phenomenal goals. Um, coming up, he was. I wanted to see where if you were going to talk about him. I, I have two play, choices for uh, player of the week. He was one of them. So I'm just going to – I'll leave the other one in. Uh, but, yeah, no, his goal is phenomenal. Um, I'm going to piggyback off that. Not necessarily open play goals, but James Ward-Prowse for Southampton. Yes. Um, scoring in the second to get that win. I mean, two, first of all, two goals in the whole entire game. Um, but scoring in the 78th minute – uh, to secure the win for Southampton, away that goal away from home, and I know it was against Everton, but for Southampton to get three points for like the first time probably all season, mm-hmm. um, was just astonishing, and it truly was like a really great goal. I mean, the Everton—I can't think of the defender's name—goes down. James Ward-Prowse just keeps going. Like it would have taken seven whistle bullets for him to not get to the net and he just puts mm-hmm. it right in the back um just absolutely ph- phenomenal uh, did you get the chance to see the video i posted of um of pickford uh no i don't think i saw that so it's on, it's only on our facebook because i couldn't find it on on twitter um but it's when james wood pros gets fouled for that free kick it zooms in on pickford and he's so upset and he kicks the goalpost, like that's how mad he is, because he knows that James Ward Prowse is going to score. <laughs> yeah, what a loser! It's so, it's so funny. Like he just knew. He's like, "This is James Ward Prowse range. Like I'm not going to save this." Yeah, there's no shot. Let me just move out of the way. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, what do you have any other goals? Um, I've got two more. So, me real too. quick. Oh, great. Uh, Danny Welbeck's goal for three to make it three nothing. I now have one. I now have one goal left. <laughs> I, for just, some reason, I knew skill. this week that I knew this week we were going to coordinate goals. I just yep. knew it. Uh, Danny Welbeck's 100%. That skill was just like, oh, it was so natural. Like sometimes yeah, it was. I just like think about like plays like that and goals like that, and I'm like, how are they just so calm and natural? Um, it's like destiny to score, like you. It, that first touch, like when a, a stri- an informed striker has that perfect first touch in the box, it's almost like they can't do anything wrong. No, not at all. 
Oh, not at all. It was, God, it was a really great goal. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I like the way you put that. When they have that first really good touch, like, you know, like, it's like you said, as soon as he made that touch, we all knew that ball was going in. And there right. was, there was nothing that any of those players could do at all. Um, my last one is a Brentford goal. Um, Jensen, mm-hmm. his goal for Brentford. Oh gosh. I, and I'm, I'm currently now drawing a blank to why I put it on there. I, I, these are typed up in my notes on my phone from watching the game. And I'm like sincerely drawing. This a was blank. A, it was a one timer. It was a one timer. Yes. You know why it was a great goal? Thank you for saying it was a one timer because his first touch was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It was so good. It placed him so well. And it was just like, a. Mm, it was a great goal. So, um, Nathis. Yeah, Josh De Silva was the cross. Yeah, that was it. Yep, yep. Yep. Thank you. I'm so sorry. I literally put that. I just wrote his name, and that was it. <laughs> All good. And truly, um, just. And what was your last goal? The last goal was interesting. It was like a very simple finish for Fernandez, but the the way that they scored that first goal to tie it in the 78th minute, Rashford runs onto it clearly offsides, but he doesn't touch the ball. And Fernandez is screaming at him not to because Fernandez was all the way on the left side and could see that Rashford was offside. So Rashford almost like kind of, I don't know, like shepherds the ball into the path of Fernandez who hits it. It's called offsides originally because they thought Rashford touched it. But after looking at VAR, realized that Rashford never touched it and correctly awarded the goal. I know there's some controversy because... You know, you don't have to touch the ball to technically be offsides because you just have to be affecting play. And I know that City was saying that he's affecting play because he's technically shielding the ball. However, when you look at the replay, neither of the City defenders are ever going to make it to that ball. So, and right. I think that's that's why they decided to overrule the offsides. Um, I think it was the correct call. I just I don't think there was any way in hell that either either City player was going to make it there, and therefore Rashford couldn't be affecting play because even if he wasn't there, this is not to it. Right. No, exactly. Um, a lot of great goals. I love it. I feel like that was one of our best, best goals that we had. There was a lot of goals this weekend. A lot of goals this weekend, and they were, they were all pretty impressive. Uh, moving on to goalie highlights, or not-so-goalie highlights. Um, I hmm. think the bo- Do you want to do VAR and... Oh yeah, might as well. Sorry, I didn't mean to miss that. I have my notes on half on like seven screens right now. My phone <laughs> no and the computer. Yeah, go ahead. Take it away with VAR, please. Okay, so first VAR, Newcastle versus Fulham. Um, there was a PK awarded for uh, Karen Trippier taking down Bobby Decord over Reed, and that was the one where Mitrovic slipped um, and it hit his standing foot, and they they called the uh, well, they call it back as a no goal because it was a double touch. Um, in the Liverpool-Brighton game in the 40th minute, there was a PK canceled because Sully Marsh was offsides when Allison brought him down. In the Nottingham, not Nottingham, Nottingham, <laughs> Nottingham, Nottingham. Leicester. I, you're you're rubbing off on me. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> Nottingham Forest versus Leicester. Uh, the Johnson goal was awarded after incorrect offsides in the 56th minute, and then in the 
Villa versus Leeds game, Buñeda's goal was awarded after an incorrect offsides in the 64th minute. Um, great VAR, and I'm sorry that I missed it. No worries. All right, now we can officially move on to the goalie highlights slash not so well, we got, highlights. Well, there was a red card this week, too. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No worries. Uh, who was the red card? Who did I Yo, miss? Yao Felix on Wednesday. No, it's Thursday, sorry. He made his, so it was a very expensive loan move. Uh, Chelsea took a part of his um, salary off of Atletico Madrid. Um, to have him for the rest of the season. He comes on. He makes a very, very, very dirty challenge, sees red immediately, and is <laughs> sent off. And he will now miss three games because of it. Yikes. So his, <laughs> he was going to be there for 19 games, and he's not going to be there for 16 and a half. <laughs> All right, now we can get to goalie highlights. Oh, can we? Are you sure? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's not that I'm, that I'm like excited to get to these. I just, I don't know. Itching to get to the goalie highlights. I don't really even have that many. Uh, besides Hugo Loris's big oopsie by getting an own goal. Yeah, uh, pretty bad. It looked almost like he was he threw the game, right? It literally looked like he threw the game. Maybe he was trying to throw the game. I don't know. Um, I, it, I think it does take a deflection before it gets to him, which like kind of, but he still had so much time to see it. I, I don't know. It just looked too goofy for a ex World Cup winner, almost two time World Cup winner. Yeah. Maybe he was doing it because he was sick of Harry Kane crying in the locker room about his World Cup flop. So he's like, no, I'm just going <laughs> to fucking do something embarrassing. <laughs> G- Gio, our, our resident uh, Spurs lover, he he's calling Harry Kane to Manchester United. He's just done with he's done with the Spurs. Uh, Harry Kane is just well. I'll keep it to myself. <laughs> I'll keep it to myself because my state is going to score a hat trick this weekend. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, other goalies I'd like to talk about Keppa. We haven't talked about him all season long. Despite Chelsea's not-so-exciting game, the few shots that he did see on target, he made some very impressive saves. Great job, Keppa, whatever the hell your last name is, because nobody knows it. Ariga Blaga. I don't even know why he puts it on his, his kit. Well, because you <laughs> fucking know it, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I know it too if I see it, but I don't know it. Um, uh, Guata also had another really great game. I feel like we've mentioned him a few times in the past few weeks. Um, and I do, because I like to give credit when it's due, um, Pickford did ha- make one good save on James Ward-Prowse this past weekend, and that's all I have to say. <laughs> if he let two James Ward-Prowse goals He in. did, but he made it and even <laughs> was on One step a, forward and two steps backwards. It was even on a highlight reel. So you know what? I'm just trying to be a better person. I, I get it. I actually had... The Riga Blaga versus Guaita matchup because both of them played well in that game. Um, yeah, really well. And then I had the opposite goalkeeper. I didn't have any bad stuff this week to talk about, but Ramsdale on the other side, seven saves for Arsenal to keep that clean sheet. And, and was it. assaulted by a fan. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm glad we think the same. 
<laughs> so like really fuck all these other goalkeepers yep it's, yeah exactly it's ramsdale's week <laughs> god what if a fan came out and like kicked pickford do you think anyone would care <laughs> no no He'd i don't like, think so like the security would be like oh we didn't say anything we're you're standing right there though <laughs> <laughs> they let him on the field yeah. Wait, what are you doing? I'm going to kick pick for the... Oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> oh, go ahead. You're good, then. You can come in. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, shout out Ramsdale, player of the week as well. Um, manager moments. Uh, I don't really have any... I never have any manager moments. Like, you're so good about, like, pinpointing the managers. Uh, still confusion why we're still seeing Rodgers and Lampard with jobs. But I guess that will always be. Yeah, I my manager moment um this week is is well I can I couldn't if you don't have one I can do two. Do two. So I'll do a sad one first. Um Jurgen Klopp after they lost to Brighton. Obviously fans traveled. Brighton is on the south coast, so it's it's not an easy trip for Liverpool fans. Um and then to watch them in the rain get manhandled like that. Um he went directly over to the fans and kind of like put the prayer hands up close to his face. And he just looked like he felt for the fans. Like he knew how bad it was and how much the sport means and how much the traveling costs. And um, it just kind of just reminds us like how much of the people he is. He's kind of like, not. he just seems like a regular guy, you know, right. like knows, knows his struggles. I don't know. It was, touching as a Liverpool fan obviously a lot of people are a lot of people not connected with Liverpool are saying like maybe he's washed up maybe it's time to go and even some Liverpool fans are starting to get on his back right now but I mean there's a huge contingency that's like this guy brought a very very mediocre team to challenge one of the richest clubs in the world year after year after year and maybe we came up flat but like when you look at the transfer market and when you look at the teams and the the squads that this guy's had to deal with and, and the, what he's produced, he's probably overachieved at Liverpool. For sure. And and fans need to get behind him. And it was just like, it was another reminding that like, okay, not only is this guy human, but he's also with us. He's struggling with us. It's not, we, there's a lot of things that we as Liverpool fans can be upset at and point fingers at. I don't think Jurgen Klopp, I think he needs our support right now. And that was touching for me. That is um, a very typical response by you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Just every excuse. I'm sure a bunch of people are just rolling their eyes going, why don't you just marry him? <laughs> um, I agree with you because I'm a Liverpool fan. but I Right, exactly. I, I like to listen to you sometimes in perspective and not being a Liverpool fan because it's kind of funny. <laughs> so I will, I will defend myself then by <laughs> going to one of our most bitter rivals and compliment the job that Eric Ten Hag has done um, recently at home. Like it is, it's, I don't want to say fortress old Trafford yet because it still hasn't been long enough, but it's not, it, it's almost got its teeth back. Like old Trafford is not somewhere you wanted to go. Even when they had a bad day is a tough place to play. For the sure. last couple, last couple of seasons it has been a very easy place to get points from. Um, fans have not been on, on the team's side, and that leads to a lot of drop points at home from from United. So the fact that he's kind of brought that um, 
scariness back to Old Trafford is fun to watch again. Amen. I like that one. I think that's good. I think that's actually a really, really great shout out. He uh, kept his composure well. And look what he's doing now. I believe so. Sometimes you have to trust the process. I'm saying that to myself. (laughs) Really, I think we can both agree. And most people can agree. It was probably Ronaldo. Oh, 100%. Fuck that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, but for real. Um, injury report. Any new injuries that came in this weekend? Um, the, so it happened today. I don't know if it's actually going to be an injury that keeps him out very long. But Jack Butlin, the goalkeeper for um, or sorry, yeah, no, it was uh, the was he? Okay. No, never mind. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. Great. I think that was no. a while ago. Good work. <laughs> that was good. I apologize. Obviously, Joe Felix is going to be out for three games. So <laughs> perfect, great. Not for him. Not for him. Not for him. <laughs> um, move along. A uh, player of the week. Uh, I'll go ahead with my player of the week. Um, my player of the week is going to go to uh, the Wolves player Potence. Uh, oh, yeah. he, sc- he scored the only goal for Wolves this week. He scored again two weeks ago giving the Wolves two great weeks in the Prem. So I just wanted to kind of shout him out um, as well. The only one clearly working hard for the Wolverhamptons. <laughs> he was um, Well, I guess what I'm going to do is we've kind of already talked about Ramsdale. Okay. Um, seven saves, but the, that's a still <laughs> a big That's a That's nod. great, yeah. Um. So for just somebody else that we haven't talked about yet, I'm going to say Solly Marsh of Brighton, Great. who had two goals, almost had a penalty if he wasn't offsides. And I'm sure he might have been the one to take it, so he could have gotten a hat-trick there at home. Brighton or buzzing. It was a good weekend for him. Great. I like it. That's a good choice. Really good choice. Uh, Move along. I've already asked you my question. Do you have a question? Um task i do you sort of already touched on it um because it's still shocking that we have not gotten the news that frank lampard or brendan rogers have been sacked the question now for me is because we know what a revolving door chelsea have for managers does graham potter get sacked before they do because (laughs) I, they got a big, big game this weekend, but it's also very big for Liverpool. It's like we've already said, it's been dubbed El Shitico because of how bad both teams are doing. But right now they're tied on points, but Chelsea have a game in hand. So if Liverpool win, there's six points, or sorry, three points clear with a game in hand. So almost six points there um, if Liverpool can win that game in hand. Uh, does Grand Potter lose his job before they do? Because I, I feel know, like it's looking likely. I feel like, yes, the possibility is for sure there just because, like, I feel like Chelsea has a record of just, like, your manager kind of flops a little bit and then they just immediately get rid of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I do. I I can see Graham Potter being released before the other two schmucks do, which is unfortunate. (laughs) Um, I like how you said released for Graham Potter, but for Frank Lampard, we said executed. (laughs) I think we tone it down this episode. I love it. 
Um, I think his formal ex. I don't know. Um, I just I'm so timid nowadays. Just everything I say just gets turned. Um, <laughs> but but realistically, like I can I can truly see him being sacked before either of them get sacked. Yeah, and I think it has a lot more to do with Chelsea than it does with Graham Potter. But I'm just fucking confused on Frank Lampard. I'm we gave so you the, confused. We gave you the chance when Everton played City. We all knew. And, and it was a decent game. But you just lost to Southampton, who literally I don't even think has successfully got, maybe gotten three points in one game like twice this year. <laughs> like, and like, no, like not, not even like in a joking sense, like for real. Oh, like well, for, almost. They, they, that was their fourth win. Okay. So almost two other games. So you're pretty much dead on the nose. Like, if you can't get a win from them, then. I don't know. I, I just don't I just I simply don't see why you're still here. Like the Brendan Rodgers I'm almost like over. Clearly he's holding the hierarchy of Leicester City by the goddamn balls. But Frank Lampard confuses me. And it will really confuse me if he gets sacked from Everton, if and when he does, and another prep team picks him up. Oh because, yeah. It's because not don't good. do I, that. Yeah. Don't do that. I don't think it'll happen. Honestly, Sack Graham Potter from Chelsea. Sack Frank Lampard. Let Frank Lampard manage that team that's about to be kicked out of the fifth division. Thank you. Give Graham Potter to Everton. I think that he might (laughs) be able to do something with that team. And you know what, Chelsea, you all can just manage yourself. (laughs) Bring Bring Roman Abramovich back to, to coach for a little bit. <laughs> whatever. I want, yeah, whatever. I want to chill back. Same. I liked him. So did I. He looks like an evil cartoon character. But it just, it goes to show you, Chelsea weren't winning trophies, but they were still in the hunt, and they were still always looking for Champions League places, yes. and it wasn't good enough, and they get rid of him, and now Chelsea's in 10th. It's like, yes. maybe, maybe you, like... Imagine what Tuchel could have done this season with everyone that's struggling. It might have been like Chelsea might be knocking on the door, or he, like at least keeping form with Newcastle. He could have been like Ten Hag. United didn't ditch Ten Hag when everyone thought yes. that they were going to. They kept yes, with perfect. him. They were patient with him, and now look what's happening. Yeah, so they were not. It could have been the same situation. It's pretty sad, in my opinion. Extremely sad. Um, I'm just happy, knock on wood, that we have a team that's very committed to our manager because I really think I'm gonna be honest with you, Gordon. I think this is any other team, and I think if we didn't have such a history with Club, that he would kind of be on the line as well. Well, I, here's the thing. I think he is on the line. I mean, I do too. They're talking about selling the club, and he's never managed a club longer than seven seven years has always been the time that he's decided to step down. He has never been fired. He's decided to step down from Mainz after seven years and Borussia Dortmund after seven years. This is his seventh year at Liverpool at both Dortmund and Mainz. Their seventh season was markedly worse than the previous seasons. It could be that Klopp just knows how to push a team and then breaks them because he pushes them so hard and He's never managed more than seven years. It'll be really interesting to see if he can rebuild a team instead of just building a team, 
making it win and then literally and, running and the wheels off it. And being done, yeah. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. He definitely yeah. needs a rebuild. I'm but curious he, to see what happens too. And I, I hope that's not the case for Liverpool. Same, because who are you, you going to get that's better? Sometimes I don't think that, that teams think about that. Currently, right now, I just, even with all these teams right now, I don't know if anyone is out there that's better for any of these teams. That's true. Like, like if I, like, even, like, what I said about, like, Grand Potter, like, moving to Everton, like, simply, like, if Frank Lampard gets released from Everton, who, like, if you were, like, who, who would you fill that spot? I have no idea who I'd fill that spot with. Yeah, it'd have to, I, I would imagine they'd bring somebody in that is is known to save, you know, like, the, the classics that we always hear, but somebody maybe from the lower divisions. Right. Something that's like been successful. Yeah, I don't know. It 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 would be a risk, and maybe that's why all these managers haven't been fired yet. That's true. That's definitely true. They're just smarter than Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know what Chelsea's problem is, <laughs> but I I think they're just looking for that. I really think they're looking for the next Pep Guardiola. Like, oh, we do have some money. We do have a fairly decent team. Um, and they're just looking for someone to take that spot, and and they'll never. And they, I think that they think that they have that every time they bring someone in, but they yeah, don't. Possible. But they don't. But they also, like we said, they don't give anybody a chance. No, yeah, they do. They do not last past a little road bump. Yeah, they don't. I mean, remember that when when they did sack Tuchel, I read off how much money they paid to get rid of managers, as well as like all the trophies those managers had won the previous fucking season. They don't take any of that into account. No, it's like they forget about their resume, like what they are actually bringing in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what do we fucking know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, let's move on. Let's move on to the table, please. All right, so we've got a smattering of different... um, teams that have played a lot of games so it's between 18 sorry is it yes 18 games and 20 games um there's only one team with 20 games so it's four everybody else has either 18 or nine or 19 games played so here's the table arsenal city man united now in third over yeah so who's in fourth and tottenham fulham brighton brentford liverpool chelsea your top half and let me just read that again fourth is newcastle yeah, Sixth this is... is Fulham. Seventh is Brighton. Eighth is Brentford. Jesus. <laughs> Bottom half of the table is Villa, Palace, Forest, Leeds, Leicester, Wolves, Bournemouth, and relegation zone, West Ham, Everton, Southampton. Wow. Oof. Yeah, well, Southampton, they're on a, they're on a comeback. They're going to bounce, I think. I no, I still don't. <laughs> I'm not on their train just yet. Okay, all right. <laughs> I gotta see a couple more things before I jump on that train again. I've learned my lessons. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> let's jump into uh, match week 21. The games coming up, how we think they're gonna play out. Uh, starting us off Saturday, January 21st, 6:30 a.m. Central mm-hmm. Time. Wait, we well we played one today. Oh, I'm so and sorry. And then there's one Thursday. Uh. 
Oh. These are different. These are from different matches. These are makeup yeah, games. So sorry. The the games that are playing during the week this week, so they've already will be played by the time this podcast is released. So, uh, match match week seven, match day, match week seven. Uh, today, as in Wednesday, the 18th, Crystal Palace and United played. They they had a draw one one. Uh, tomorrow, which will be Thursday, the 19th, we're gonna say Man City played Tottenham in that match week seven. They're playing. They played at two o'clock. So by the time you hear this, you'll know the outcome. To be I honest, City, I, I'm sorry. Hope Tottenham win. That would yeah, be. I I think that would be interesting. I don't think Tottenham's gonna win. I I think I think this is gonna be the game that kind of gets City back in in full form. Um, personally, I think I think they're gonna pull off the win there. Interesting. Uh, but moving on to Saturday the 21st. Our 6:30 a.m. game was that Liverpool Chelsea game, uh, bright and early. Okay, everyone's gonna wake up to watch that piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be difficult. Both teams not really have been on form, but Liverpool keeps losing and Chelsea keeps winning, but not like in a great fashion. Um, I don't know. I think that this game could be a very boring 1-0 win. Don't ask me what team I think is going to have that one and the, who's going to have the zero. <laughs> I'll let you know uh, Saturday at 8.30 a.m. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, moving on to Saturday, we have a couple in our 9 o'clock slots, as we always do. Our first one being Leicester City versus Brighton. Um, I think Brighton's going to destroy Leicester City. I hope they freaking do, like, 3-0 at Liverpool. I want to see 5-0 against Leicester. I, it's possible. Um, either way, if that's not the outcome, I still think Brighton's going to get that win off. Um, our other, another nine o'clock slot on Saturday, the 21st, Southampton versus Villa. Villa just beating Leeds, Southampton with a big win against Everton. Um, I don't think that they're going to get another win. I think Villa's going to take this win. No problem. It's, this is like the one time that I can remember that so many, like, lower half table matchups are like clustered together. Right. So, and these are huge games though. Like this, this would be a great opportunity for Southampton. They're coming off a win. James Ward Prowse has a phenomenal game, a team that is beatable. This is a really great opportunity for Southampton to get another three points. You want your head to be picked up off the floor. This is a way to do it right here. Yeah. Especially Um, because the next game you're probably going to talk about, is their two closest rivals in the table. Right, West Ham versus Everton. Um, so someone's going to lose, or they both drop points. Correct. That is correct. Um, <clears throat> and, and this is difficult. Everton lost. They usually do. Uh, West Ham just lost as well, coming off the week. So two teams looking to get some type of points off the week. Um, this one's a hit or miss for me. I, I don't really know how it's going to go. I, I, I don't even know how to predict it. I guess if I was to predict it you know someone has a gun to my head i'd probably say i don't know a part of me feels like everton is gonna uh, my gut's wanting me to say everton i'm just gonna say it i think everton's gonna win wow i hate myself <laughs> that'll definitely shake some stuff up though because that would drop <laughs> if if southampton gets points and everton gets points that drops west ham from 18th to 20th 20th yeah it will it will definitely uh, uh Mix that table up a little bit. Our last 9 o'clock game on Saturday the 21st is the Bournemouth-Nottingham Forest game. Um, 
Bournemouth losing. They've lost the last four. I think they're going to continue with another loss of five. I think um, I think Forest is gonna is gonna win. I don't think it's gonna be an all that impressive game, but I think it's gonna be a good three points that Forest is gonna take away. And remember, mm-hmm. guys, this is all just my my hopes and dreams. So this is not real life. It could be though. Um, <laughs> moving on to our 11:30 game on Saturday, our last game of Saturday, the 21st. Crystal Palace versus Newcastle. Who's the roller coaster? Here's truly though, and I feel like this game could be very much so like that Fulham game. I don't know. I if I were to, I would say Newcastle is going to get the win. Um, but I don't know. I don't well, know. These are something uh, really Palace bad. played on Palace played Wednesday too, so they don't have that big of a break. Yeah, but maybe for a team like Palace, that's a good thing. Like maybe they don't. Having five days off is too much. And, and the way that they got points against an inform United, that might just bounce them, you know? That might make could. them ready to go. It sure could. Um, and then jumping into Saturday, January 22nd, our first game of the day, 8 a.m., is the Man City versus Wolves. Um, I think this game could be a somewhat interesting one. Wolves haven't been scoring that many points, but they have been winning. I think if City loses on Thursday, which is tomorrow as of right now, I think if City loses at Tottenham, the Wolves have a very good opportunity to take some points away from City. If that's a 1-1 draw, if that's even like a 1-0 win, if they have the opportunity at all to win, this is it. I, I need them to channel like three seasons ago when they beat City. I need them to channel that. Well, let's... Let's hope they do, because if your predictions are correct, Southampton-Everton would be at 18 points at the end of the weekend. That would drop West Ham. If Bournemouth win, that would drop Wolves into the relegation zone. So if Bournemouth lose, it'll be West Ham-Bournemouth-Wolves if West Ham-Bournemouth and Wolves all lose. So Wolves can go from 16th to to relegation zone. So realistically, if if all my predictions come true, every team's going to be in the relegation zone. In some way. <laughs> Almost. Uh, moving on to another 8 a.m. slotted game for Sunday. Leeds versus Brentford. Um, I, Brentford for me. Brentford's going to get the win. Leeds, I don't I don't think. I think that's evenly matched game, but I think at the end of the day, Brentford's going to take the W. Mm-hmm. The dub or whatever they say. Um, <laughs> our 10.30 game on Sundays, Arsenal versus United. This, Big to one. me, is going to be a good game. Definitely. Two very informed teams. Informed teams, heavily informed. Like, I'm thinking like a 3-3 draw almost. Yeah, in all competitions, their last five games, they have taken, what is that, 4-12. They've taken 13 points out of an available 50 in both teams. Right. And I I think it's going to be like an Odegaard-Rashford-like shooting fest. That'd be fun. I'd watch that. I would watch that all day. Um, unfortunately, I won't have the opportunity to, but I would. But I would. And our last game of the weekend uh, is going to be on Monday at 2 o'clock. Monday the 23rd is going to be Fulham Tottenham. Um, Tottenham also coming off of a midweek game. I, For me, I feel like it's really dependent on how the game versus City goes on Thursday. Fulham coming off of a not-so-great week. But we've seen Fulham, we've seen Fulham play well and beat teams, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think they can beat Tottenham, and I feel like I can't really place this until I see how tomorrow goes. And let's, goes. 
let's say City wins, then Fulham have the chance to beat Tottenham at home and get into fifth place because Fulham's on at, in sixth with 31 points. Tottenham's in fifth with 33. So if Fulham wins, it'll be 34 points for them, and they'll leapfrog Tottenham to fourth place. So that's a big game for Fulham if, if Tottenham don't get any points right, against City. Right. Um, yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Um, yeah, that's it. That wraps it up for match week 21, right? Yeah. Yeah. Say the match week. Trucking along. Trucking along here. There's, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see how these games play out just for the outcome of the table. Same. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of close teams are playing each other. Yeah, absolutely. Very curious. Very curious to see what happens. And, of course, when it does happen, we're going to cover it all here on the pod. Heck, yeah. Heck, yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, that does it for us. Episode 25, not 26. How did your uh, first podcast feeling older? (laughs) Do you feel different? Um, I don't feel different. Good. Just older in real life. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, didn't even feel like my birthday. <laughs> it was so chill. It was so chill, but that's all right. It was all right. Just another year older. I guess find me when I'm 40. <laughs> um, but that does it, guys. Thank you all for listening, sticking with us. Um, and if you ever want to have real-time banter with us, comment on any of our social medias. Or if you have our phone numbers, text us. I may not answer, but I'll read it. Get that banter going. Yeah, get it going. <laughs> Thanks all. Thanks all. Thank- Thanks Cheers. all. Goodbye. I hope this podcast finds you well. I hope this email finds you well. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers. I'm going to be honest. Oh, <laughs> what was, did you hear that noise? Yeah, that was my thing ringing because Sam's walking and shaking the microphone. Oh, I thought it was like a remix she said, going oh, on. What was that noise? Oh, she hears that about me snoring. <laughs> <laughs> I truly never hear you snoring. <laughs>